I literally got to clean and put mineral oil on the claws of Fred Bears, Bengal Tiger, Grizzly Bears, Polar Bears. So you're okay with ripping a fish out of the water by its lips and suffocating it when you pull out, you know, I said, but you're gonna look down your nose at me because I shoot a coyote from a helicopter? <laughs> if I was an animal, I'd be like, heck yeah, I'd much rather that than screaming, which I've seen a deer screaming as coyotes eat it alive. You know, the people that don't understand that or haven't seen that, they don't get that. If I was to pick my favorites, I would say it's the ones where, you know, I lose 10 or 15 pounds, I'm exhausted, I've been sleeping in a tent for 12, 14 days. Those are the ones when I'm just pushed to the max. This is Fred Eichler, and you are listening to The Wild Initiative. Put down your latte and pull on your boots. Our culture needs people that are leaders and not people that are waiting for somebody else to show them how to do it. Those fields of tofu, that was formerly habitat for wildlife. You're killing off wildlife by being a vegetarian just as much as a hunter when he kills a deer. I'm like, well, you see that bush right there? <laughs> There's your bathroom. <laughs> My dad wears a Levi jacket. He sits in front of a sagebrush and he tells me the best camo is hold still. Not that Donnie Vincent is, but be relentless in everything you do. Don't crap out, go back to the truck with excuses or whatever. Okay, assume I get a deer. How do I cut it up to fit into a Honda Civic? Just get outside. Just get outside and go. Because once you do, it's all gravy from there. Hey, this is Zach Griffith. This is Hannah Barron. This is Jason Phelps of Phelps Game Calls. Hey, guys, this is Cody Rich from the Rich Outdoors podcast. What's up, guys? This is Chad Mendez. You're listening to The Wild Initiative. Hey, y'all. Welcome to another episode of The Wild Initiative, brought to you as part of the Waypoint Podcast Network. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right, y'all, so hopping into today's episode, I'm on the line today with the most interesting bow hunter in the world, the one and only Fred Eichler of Full Draw Outfitters. Fred, um, I'm already laughing just because of the conversation we had prior to this. Um, yeah, y'all, we, uh, yeah, you don't even want to know, but uh, <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time. I'm really excited to have you on, man. Oh, of course, Sam. Thank you so much for having me, man. I appreciate it. So, you know, 
I am, I'm kind of the adult onset hunter. I, you know, I didn't grow up doing this. I grew up in the suburbs on a little cul-de-sac and the outdoors was kind of a little vacation for me. So one of my biggest passions is hearing the stories about how people were introduced to the outdoors. Cause it's so different from one person to the next. And I'd love to hear from you. Just how did you get your start? What, what really ignited your passion for the outdoors and hunting? Well, you know, I would have to say it was my father, um, you know, and then, of course, I, you know, growing up with Fred Bear as a mentor too. you know, reading the Fred Bear field notes. So my dad was was the person that got me addicted to it. Um, we would duck hunt and deer hunt and hog hunt and do everything together. And, uh, you know, of course, growing up, uh, we didn't have a whole lot. Um, my dad got divorced when I was relatively young. So it kind of put him in a little bit of a lurch money wise. So literally we would eat squirrel and rice a lot. And if I missed a squirrel, it was just rice. So it was, uh, <laughs> no, we, uh, we, we truly lived that field, uh, table lifestyle and ate everything we harvested. So, but it was awesome. Uh, you know, me and my dad, super, super close. Uh, but yeah, the hunting, uh, the hunting definitely came from him. And then, you know, the other influences, you know, growing up, I was an avid reader. I love, loved reading and still do, uh, but reading, you know, Fred bears field notes and, and about the adventures Fred bear had, and he did such an amazing job. He was such a great storyteller and, and Fred, I got to meet him in person. Uh, and, and actually when I was very young and whereas I've been disappointed with some people I met that I, you know, held in a certain regard. And when I met him, I was like, ah, oh, that's not really who I thought they were. Fred bear was uh, above and beyond. He was uh, super gracious, super nice, uh, made you feel important. Like you were, man, you know, he was focused on you and, you know, wanted to talk to you. So I was really fortunate. I got to meet some really neat people uh, that, that had an influence on my life as far as hunting in the outdoors, besides my dad, you know, Fred Bear, John Masakia. You know, there was a lot of them that, you know, they're just super people that I was very impressed with. It's Fred Bear is one of those, one of those personalities, one of those characters that he was almost, I mean, he's almost like mythical, you know, in, oh, yeah. in, in my mind, I feel like he's up there, you know, with like, Davy Crockett and Daniel Boone, the, you know, and like, he's just legendary. Like you, what can you honestly say about Fred? (laughs) That's a great, that's a great analogy, Sam. You're hundred percent right. I mean, he's, he is, he did it all. He was the first one to do tons of stuff. I mean, Bengal tigers. So Sam, imagine one of my first jobs, you know, I'm, I'm talking about 18 years old. One of my first jobs was working at bear archery and my job was working with Frank Scott in the museum, the Fred bear museum and pro shop. So not only was I messing with bows, I was hanging out with Frank Scott, Bob Munger, who was Fred bears, lifelong hunting companion would come in there, you know, after Fred had passed, I, I, I literally got to clean the claws and put mineral oil on the claws of Fred bears, Bengal tiger, grizzly bears, polar bears, and, and mineral oil on the noses. So, you know, here I'm this, you know, young kid and I'm just like, one day I would love to just see one of these animals. Like, you know, I want to see a moose and I want to see this. I want to see that. But I didn't think, you know, I I thought I had about as much chance to fly into the moon, you know, but, but it was, you know, it was a dream and uh, you know, something that I I strive to do. So archery has always been a huge, huge, you know, part of my life. Well, it's one of those things, like it's, it's funny because I, I identify with that mindset. You talk about, um, you know, the hunting of moose, even like I, I remember when I first started getting interested in hunting and I, you know, I'm stumbling through this. I'm I'm a city kid. I'm working in Los Angeles in the in an 
ad agency and I'm like wanting to, you know, everyone, everyone thinks I'm weirdo. Cause I want to go out and shoot animals and, yeah, you, and uh, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm in, and to me, all I knew of hunting was like, okay, you go and you sit in a tree stand for whitetail. And I guess some people hunt turkeys and literally that's all I knew about it. And, um, started a new job in the music industry. And, you know, I, I met this guy who, uh, hunted elk and I actually just released a second podcast with him. Um, and I was like, oh man. And it was that same mindset of like, yeah, I have as much chance of, of making it to the moon as ever hunting something like an elk, like the romantic notion of, you know, the, on the mountain with my bow in the driving snow, you know, chasing the, you know, very, very Donnie Vincent. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I had this romantic notion of like, yeah, that would be awesome. But maybe in like 20 years when I, you know, and I'll need to be rich and, you know, all this, all of this stuff. And it just seems so unattainable. And I think, <clears throat> I think that will always be one of the biggest problems we have as hunters uh, trying to get new people in and, and people from different backgrounds that didn't grow up with granddad's gun um, is, is this concept of like, it's, it's unattainable to do what I want is absolutely unattainable. No, a great point there. And I think there's a lot of people like that, whether it's, you know, uh, boys or girls, um, that's par their parents don't do it, but they feel that pull that, you know what I mean? They know they've got canine teeth. They like eating meat and, you know, maybe they don't want somebody driving a steel shaft through their cow. You know, they want to take it themselves and enjoy some of their own, you know, self-harvested, you know, field the table, doing it themselves. And, you know, to me, that's a lifestyle and, and it really is. And obviously you were drawn to it, um, you know, despite the fact not growing up in it, I grew up in it and I just wanted to take it to the next level. I mean, my dad was that, you know, guy that was, you know, when it was summertime, we were fishing, you know what I mean? Springtime or summertime, we were fishing, you know, we were turkey hunting together. You know, we, we did a lot, a lot of our stuff revolved around the outdoors, you know, also because, you know, we didn't grow up with a ton of money, so it was affordable. You you could just, it didn't take much money once you had a canoe to go out and, you know, paddle in the river, or, you know, take a fishing rod, you know, and swing by, you know, Capellas or something and, you know, grab a couple of lures and go out bass fishing. So, you know, it was stuff we could do and, you know, it's been so important to me and, and even raising the boys, you know, being able to take care of yourself, you know, being able to have stuff. So, I mean, we've taken it to the extreme now. I mean, we've got a milk cow, so we have our own milk. We have chicken eggs. We've got, you know, horses, we've got cattle, you know, we, you know, you know, the outfitting business, I guide hunters and, you know, we butcher our own meat and we dry it. We have bees. So we have our own honey, you know, a lot of times the meal that we'll make, you know, we have a big garden, you know, we can hundreds of quarts of vegetables a year. So, you know, literally there's times we'll sit down and, and we'll eat for a week and it's all things that have come from our place, which is really, you know, there's, there's a lot of pride in that, you know, not to mention, like you said, the excitement or the, you know, as you referred to Donnie Vincent, you're the, you know, the, the, the amazing, uh, it's, it's silly, but just watching the sun come up and being out there and hearing a bull bugle or hearing, you know, that first moose grunt, you know, when you've, you've watched it on TV or you've read about it in magazines and, you know, seeing that first grizzly bear, you know, anything, you know, the first wolf, the first, you know, antelope, the first, you know, all that stuff. And it, it's so neat to read about other people's experiences. And again, I refer back to Fred Bear because I think he did such an amazing job of telling stories that it wasn't just about the kill, 
you know, that was a very minute part of it. Fred Bear's what made Fred Bear such an amazing writer and made his story so great is Fred Bear came out in it and he loved everything. And, you know, there's pictures of him with chipmunks on his hands or birds or the feathers when the leaves were changing. He loved it all. Like most true sports people, you know, outdoors men and outdoors women. And, and it is truly fascinating. And it is the real world. We get caught up in these cell phones and video games and all the fake, you know, that's the real world. And, and I, I think the more people, they get to know that the better the world will be not to sound, you know, like a fruitcake, but you know, I really do. I think we get caught up in too much, you know, BS. It's, it's one of the, the absolutely most special things about what we do and being out in nature, out in the wilderness, out hunting, regardless of why you're out there. It just, it, it puts a lot of things in perspective and um, you know, it's, it's interesting. I feel like, you know, you've talked about uh, being able to basically create an entire meal from from things from your own property and, and meat you've harvested and all of this. And and it's an, I think it's an interesting progression because I think that naturally follows for a lot of people. You know, may, maybe you get that interest in hunting because you want to harvest some of that meat and then you do it a few times and you're like, well, now I kind of want to start processing it myself and learning how to how to take that and break down the animal and piece it out and 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 preserve it or, and, you know, then like, I know I, for a fact, I've started cooking more. Um, you know, when I, I was spending, when I was, uh, living with my parents, uh, for a while, I, uh, they were both so excited that I had started hunting because that meant I was cooking a couple times a week sometimes. And, uh, they used to say, they're like, man, we love Sam's getting into this hunting thing. Our meals, <laughs> he's cooking all the time now. This is terrific. This is terrific. But then, you know, I think then, you know, you're looking at that. You're like, OK, well, you know, I'm still going out and I'm buying buying chicken and, and, and doing this and buying buying milk or buying honey, whatever it is. And it's like, well, you know, I could I could maybe start in and delve into that. I'll, I'll get some chicken. So I got eggs and meat or, you know, OK, well, you know, what? I could I could get some I could get some bees, you know, set that up. That'd be good for, you know. Uh, for my garden that I'm planting. And all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're, you're delving into this whole lifestyle and you, when, you know, maybe it was just, you're like, man, I just, I just wanted to uh, go out and shoot a duck once. Yeah, exactly. A whole, a whole lifestyle change. No, you're right. That's, I think you, you, you hit on it earlier, no matter what the reason you're out there. Um, and don't get me wrong. I love, and I, I'm, I'm competitive with myself. Like, you know, the, that end goal, don't get me wrong. You know, I want to catch a fish, you know what I mean? We're, I was in Florida the other day and it was like, my son was out fishing me and I was like, man, I was beating the water up. You know, I wanted to catch a fish so bad. And not that it's a, you know, competition. It's, it was fun, you know, to be with my son, but at the same time, I, you know, I want to eat something I caught. So, you know, we stayed at it and, you know, we ended up catching some bass and that was our dinner that night. You know, we, we ate bass that we caught, you know, fortunately he caught a lot more than me. So we were able to enjoy the whole meal. But, but, you know, hog hunting, I'm that guy. I mean, even the kids, I was wearing them out. They're like, really, you want to keep hog hunting? I'm like, yeah, it's midnight and it's a full moon. So there'll be more of them coming out the later we go, you know? So, you know, and then, you know, I'm up again at four in the morning. Cause I'm like, Oh, well, it's opening Turkey season. We got to go Turkey hunting. So, you know, I can go on no sleep until I just finally, you know, a week into it, you know, I'll just pack out and sleep for 10 hours. And I'm like, boom, let's go again. It's, you know, it's funny. I just had a conversation with, uh, with my buddy Trent and uh, we actually, we, it was a podcast and we talked a lot about how, 
so often like that, the outdoor generalist is starting to disappear a lot of the times. And his, his, uh, you know, his, his joke was along the lines of like, Oh yeah. You know, I, I just joined the society of left-handed bow hunters with tree stands that only faced East face East, you know, like <laughs> it's, you know, it's a, it's like goofy. You're like, Oh, you know, who would do that? But so often that it, it feels like that's what what the hunting industry is turning into, like, you know, okay, you can't be like a bow hunter and actually, God forbid, go out during rifle season or, you know, whatever, or go enjoy something. You can't be a Western hunter with, and, and still enjoy going, uh, going to Louisiana and sitting in a, in a tree stand over a food plot or, you know, hunting Turkey. If you you can't, you can't enjoy Turkey hunting. If you hunt elk, God forbid, like, it's getting a little out of hand, and you know that's you're you're starting on stuff that I wrote down there that that that's a pet peeve to me is is the splintering of groups. I mean, I I literally had a guy make a post the other day on my on my fan page. You know, we put you know because I enjoy it all. I mean, you know, bow hunting is my passion. That's that's still my favorite thing to do, but. I'm not shooting ducks every day with a bow. I'm shooting them with a shotgun and I'm, you know, Hey, you know, and I love hunting turkeys and I shoot the majority of them with a recurve bow, but I may grab a compound. I may grab a shotgun during, you know, during the fall season, I may shoot them with an AR, you know, whatever, whatever I can grab. But, you know, somebody had made a comment like, Oh, well, I don't, I don't think that's a good way to shoot them. And I'm like, I, I just jumped on this poor guy. And I'm like, let me tell you something, you know, and I looked at his page first and I saw he was a fisherman and I'm like, so you're an outdoorsman and you like fishing. I said, so you're okay with, you know, ripping a fish out of the water by its lips and, you know, suffocating it when you pull it out, you know, I said, but you're going to look down, you know, down your nose at me because I shoot a coyote from a helicopter. <laughs> if it's legal or you know, I'm like, if it's, if it is legal and it has to do with the outdoors, we need to support each other, whether we personally do it or not, whether, whether I think, you know, if my, it's a lot of it's people just trying to push their own values on other people. And I hate that, whether it's religion, politics or anything else, everybody should have their own. But as far as outdoorsmen, I think if we don't all stick together and whether I personally like, um, you know, hunting high fence, you know, in, in front of a pile of corn or not, I'm certainly not going to bash some other guy for doing that. If that's his experience outdoors and it's legal and, and he's doing it, then more power to him. And, and if we don't vote that way and support it, but you know, trappers, I'm, you know, I'm a, I grew up as an avid trapper and there's people that even hunters and outdoorsmen that are like, Oh, I don't think people should be trapping. I'm like, you know what? They're going to get us one little piece at a time and it's going to be traditional and muzzleloader and then this and then trapping and then, you know, fishing or, you know, at what point is baiting hunting over a acorn tree that's dropping acorns or, you know, it, it, it's if we don't if we don't support it all and, and fight for it all, we're going to be in big trouble. So I agree with you. I have these little splinter groups and, you know, thinking they're better because they're using a certain type of weapon or hunting a certain way or you know, thumping their chest and saying, Oh, I hiked in miles and, you know, I only do it, you know, barefooted or, you know, I, I, I think some of it's going the wrong way. And that's why I liked Fred Barry, you know, his biggest, the best ad campaign ever was be a two season hunter, you know, you know, hunt with a bow, hunt with a rifle, enjoy it all, but, you know, try it all. So I, I'm sorry to kind of no. get off on a tangent there, Sam, but that's, that's one of the things that I think, you know, is, is such a huge message and people are getting a little, a little, you know, split it off into these little groups. And, and, and if they don't go with the big 10 theory, you know, we're going to really struggle preserving it in the future. 
you know, it's it's one of those things. And I feel like the majority of these people criticizing whatever it happens to be have never actually tried it themselves. You know, I'm sure some have, but but the people talking the biggest shit tend to be the people that haven't haven't ever done it. And, I, you know, me again, like I'm not going to necessarily pay. I'm not going to pay five grand to go hunt someone's ranch in Texas, to, you know, for whatever it happens to be. Uh, you know, that's just not something I'm totally interested in. Um, I mean, down the line that may change. I don't know, but, mm-hmm. but somebody offered a chance for me to come down, check out their ranch. And I, I did a little bit of hunting and I took a fallow deer doe and I took a red sheep you and it was an awesome experience and I really enjoyed it. You know what? It was really nice sitting in a leather chair, having my coffee in the morning, taking the side by side out to the blind, sitting in the blind, talking with a buddy for, you know, an hour until the feeder went off and then boom, boom, like and then going back and enjoying a great lunch and a nap. <laughs> it's, it's so you like you said, you just made a great point. And a lot of the people that are bashing stuff, they haven't tried it. And and Frank Scott told me one time and I, I was very fortunate because those older guys, they they saw through any BS, you know, quick. And I had made a comment and I was I, I literally was in my teens. I think I was 18 or 19. And Frank Scott had said something about, you know, baiting bears. And, you know, I knew Fred Bear, you know, hunted, you know, bears over bait and stuff in different places. And I said something uh, just offhanded, like, man, that doesn't really seem, you know what I mean? You know, I, you know, I really want to shoot a bear, but I don't know if I want to shoot it over bait. And Frank Scott looked at me and he knew I had never shot a bear, never even seen a bear at that point. And he's like, have you ever hunted bear over bait? And, and I looked at him and I mean, Frank was probably in his late seventies at the time. And I said, uh, uh, no, sir. And he goes, then you really don't have an opinion on it at all. Do you? And I was like, Whoa, but <laughs> you know, him putting me in my place, you know, you know, at his age and I had so much respect for him. Just that comment made me go, wow, I, I guess I need to keep my mouth shut. Cause I don't really have an opinion on it. And then later, you know, when I hunted bears over bait, it was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. It's, it's not that easy. And it is a great way to manage the bear population It is a good way to make sure, you know, you're taking board and, and all the other advantages to it. I went, wow, I should have never even opened my mouth, but that was me being young and naive. And I think there's a lot of adults that didn't have an older man or an older woman put them in their place and go, why don't you shut up? You don't really know what you're talking about and you need to pipe down. And, and I think if there was a little more of that, people might think about it more, but you, you gave a great example in Texas, whether it's something you personally love or don't just support it. You know, those, those guys are out there buying outdoor products. They're buying hunting licenses. That money's going in the Pittman, Pittman Robertson fund. You know, it's all a good thing. You know, why, why fight that? So, so how do we, I don't, I don't want to say like, so what's the solution? Like, how do we fix this? Cause that's just such a loaded, loaded <laughs> question, but like, how do we, how do we really, st- I guess maybe start that dialogue? How do we get things rolling with that to start kind of reducing this splintering of outdoorsmen and hunters? I think it's education, Sam, you know, and I know, I mean, I know that sounds very cliche, but you know, I think it's education. I think, uh, you know, look at, look at what Johnny Morse did with the, you know, the wow museum. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that the wonders of wildlife museum, but if you have a chance or any of your listeners have a chance it's in Springfield, Missouri, it's incredible. And it is, 
a conservation message. And it talks about all the amazing things that thanks to hunters and fishermen that we have today, all the lands that were preserved goes back to Teddy Roosevelt and all the things that were set aside uh, to, to protect outdoor pursuits and all the animals that benefit, you know, whether it's target animals or non-target animals, you know, all the, you know, songbirds and, you know, all the other animals that benefit from hunters and hunters licenses and things like that. So, you know, I think education, you know, talking about it, uh, educating people and, and helping them realize that, you know, Hey, we need to support it and look at all the good that that comes from people enjoying the outdoors and whether that's, you know, kayaking or, you know, hiking, it, you know, it doesn't matter. Look at the Appalachian trail and all these amazing things we have in the United States that most countries, you know, could only dream of having. And, you know, I think whether people don't enjoy hunting themselves, um, they need to look at it and go, wow, you know, I at least respect the person that wants to harvest their own animals. And so, you know, sadly, as we get further and further removed um, from rural America, you know, look at these sad, you know, questions that teachers will ask kids, you know, where does milk come from? And they draw a carton of milk or they draw, they draw a grocery store, you know, or they'll say it comes from this. People really don't know now, a lot of people, where things come from. And, you know, I get chewed up when somebody will, you know, say something and, well, I'm a vegetarian and, you know, I, you know, I don't think it's, and I'm like, I'm a farmer. Do you know how many animals are displaced or killed from farming? Like, do you have any idea how many wildlife, you know, it's like you clear a chunk of land and then you're out there plowing up. So we take from the environment. That's, 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 that's what it is. And, and so we can survive. And, you know, if you're a vegetarian, you're still killing a lot of animals, whether you know it or not. So it's just, you know, I, again, that's a long winded answer to, to, to your, what do we do? But in my opinion, again, it goes back to education and people donating their time and, you know, talking with kids and, you know, shows that do promote and support or show people where wild game comes from. Yeah. It's or food. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was going to say it's, uh, it's crazy to crazy to think the, the lack of understanding people have. And I just, uh, you know, I just saw an article in, in my local newspaper. It was uh, that somebody had posted up on Facebook and it was about how all the deer in town are dying and it's because people are treating them like pets and they're, they're giving them their, you know, human food and this and that. And I just, I just got so irritated <laughs> reading this article and I just, I, I left some, some comment, some long comment about, see, this is what happens. This is exactly what happens when you, when people get so removed from wildlife and so removed from life and death uh, and the reality of how this world works that they think wild animals are cute little pets and you got a bunch of idiots feeding them and they end up dead. Thank you. Thank you. And I just, I went off on some rant. That was the summary of it. <laughs> um, yeah. Look at that. You know, Fred Bear, again, I, you know, I hate bringing him up, but he had so many poignant things that he said, but I think it was his quote that said, nature's law of tooth and claw is crueler than any death I could ever bestow. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you've ever watched a coyote, you know, kill a calf or eat the, you know, the whole back end out of a cow, you know, you know, while it's down and, and then the rancher has to come down and kill that cow because the cows are eating on it all night while it's alive. You know, people don't see that part of it. And they, again, like to your point, they put human, you know, uh, you know, emotions 
into an animal. And it's like, no, they don't, they don't go to an old folks home. They don't have loved ones standing around taking care of them and feeding a baby sauce or some kind of, you know, they don't have doctors. They, they get weak. They die of, you know, disease or they slowly starve to death. That's their option. So a, a bullet, an arrow, that's the best, you know what I mean? Literally, you know, that's a great way to go. If I was an animal, I'd be like, heck yeah, I'd much rather that than screaming, which I've seen a deer mm-hmm. screaming as coyotes eat it alive. But, you know, the people that don't understand that or haven't seen that, they don't get that. Yeah, it's the the people that are the most opposed to hunting, I often find are the farthest removed from nature. Oh, yeah. it's, they live in New York. They've never seen a deer. <laughs> they live in places <laughs> yep oh my gosh um so enough about dumb people uh, <laughs> oh jeez. Oh, i uh you know you, you know you talked to you kind of you kind of got your start in in hunting as you know with rice and squirrels, <laughs> um, you know, you, you mentioned that, you know, it was, that was, that was really what got you into it since then things have, have changed a little bit. And uh, you've, you've seen a, a modicum of success, I'd say, you know um, it's the grand slam, the 29, 29 uh, North American big game animals. Super, super, yeah. super yeah, slam. Super I always, fun. I always can't remember which one's uh, which. You're fine. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Chuck Adams was the first one to do it actually with a bow, and he was the one to name it. Okay, okay. Um, and but you're the first to do it with uh, a recurve, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Me and me and another guy named Rick Dugan. Um, there was 28, then there was 29. So it used to be 27 species. Um, then it was 28, then it was 29. As they added the Thule elk. So yeah, I was the first one to take all 29 with a traditional bow, and uh, you know it was really. You know, it's funny. It wasn't about anything but me and wondering if I could do it, to be honest with you. It was, uh, you know, my my original goal back when I was younger and cleaning Fred Bear's mounts was, man, I really want to harvest everything Fred Bear did. What a neat thing, you know, because his experiences were so incredible with the people he met and the places he got to see. I thought, man, that would just be amazing. But you know, I realized I'm never going to shoot a Bengal tiger. I'm never going to shoot an elephant. You know what I mean? Like there's some things that, you know, it's like, so it was like, wow, I, I hope to experience some of the other things Fred Bear experienced. And then about that time, you know, just as one of those little, you know, childhood dreams or goals, uh, Chuck Adams completed the super slam. And to me, that was like the Everest of bow hunting. I was like, wow, that, that had to be incredible. And just to experience that and see all those animals and all those places, And so as much as anything, I wondered if I had what it took physically and mentally, and I had no idea mentally, it's as big of a mental challenge as it is anything else. And, and so that was, that was it for me. And there were multiple times I thought, Nope, I don't have it. Definitely not mentally. You know, like, you know, um, I think I did the cheapest super slam out there. Um, I did more more self-guided animals at the time when I took mine. I had done more self-guided than anyone because, you know, I didn't have the money or the means to to do it. So I would, you know, I, I shared a one bedroom apartment with a buddy of mine. Um, you know, we had our own cots. There was no broke back stuff, but you know, we, we <laughs> saved, all, saved all our money so we could, so we could go hunting and, you know, public land. And, 
you know, Colorado is such a great place because it's, you know, it's got 10 species right here. You can literally shoot, you know, a third, you know, even if you don't draw the desert cheap and get nine of them, you know, you can, you know, you can shoot a third of them right here in Colorado. So I did self-guided hunts for those sickle blacktail, moose, caribou, you know, self-guided mountain lion, self-guided goat, uh, you know, almost everything I could hunt self-guided. I did self-guided on, on public land. And for the animals that I couldn't hunt guided, you know, I, I you know, I went with outfitters and it took me years and years to, to save up the money or trade hunts. You know, a lot of times I'd call up outfitters and go, Hey, I can't afford to go grizzly bear hunting with you. Um, have you ever wanted to kill an elk? <laughs> you know, yeah. how, about we, how about we do some swapping or trading or can we do this or that? So, you know, it was really neat. And I had, uh, that was, that was one of my goals and it was, it was neat to, to do it. And the funny thing is, you know, I, I thought, man, when I harvested that, you know, that last animal and it was such an adrenaline rush and I had all these amazing experiences. I, I was like, even my dad was like, well, you did it. You know, that's amazing. And that's so cool. What are you going to do now? And I'm like, I'm going to do it all again. Like, <laughs> I want to keep going and I want to keep doing this stuff. Cause it's just about the adventures and it's about the people and you know, the places. So it's, uh, it's just fun. You know, and I, you know, it's gotten so crazy now. Um, that, you know, I, I would tell somebody, man, it, 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 save your money, you know, cause I, I couldn't afford honestly to do it now. I mean, with, you know, with the cost of some of the animals and, and what they're getting for even sheep hunts now and things like that, it's crazy. Uh, but there's some amazing things and I see guys now doing like the deer slam, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, I'm going to go out and get all the species of deer. And that's, that's exactly the same thing you know, a, a smaller scale, but it's the same thing. So I tell people, go do that, get all the species of turkeys. You know, you can do that all on public land and, you know, go out and try and shoot a sick blacktail by yourself on Kodiak Island, Alaska, and, you know, go shoot a coos deer on public land in Arizona, go shoot a Columbia blacktail in Oregon or Washington, and, you know, go get a mule deer in public land, go, go chase a whitetail. You don't have to have, you know, a whole lot of means to be able to go do a lot of those amazing things. It just takes the, you know, the, man, I'm going to buckle down and I'm going to go do it. Maybe I'm not going to buy a new truck. I had a beat up Jeep with 300,000 miles for a long time, but I had some pretty cool stories. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's one of those things you sit there and you focus on the smaller stuff like that. And you just have those experiences, that exciting stuff, you know, all of a sudden you're at, at 22 animals, 25 animals. And you're like, well, I have been saving up and maybe I can go on that guided desert sheep hunt, or maybe I can, you know, uh, go after uh, go on that goat hunt uh, or pay for a private land Thule elk hunt, because let's face it, drawing a Thule elk is the likelihood is, is almost oh. non-existent. Yeah. But you know, even those guys, you can do management hunts. I mean, that yep. was my thing. Too. It didn't matter to me whether it was, you know, a trophy or young animal or a female, whatever, you know, it was like, you know, if I could draw a tag or go on a management hunt, you know, I still, I'm putting in for desert sheep and I think four different States now. And, you know, it's a lot of money to put it in, but what I do is I put it on a credit card. And then when I get that money back, I pay off the credit card. So, mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's all kinds of neat ways to, you know, you can play that game, you know, put in for different States. And, you know, I've had people go, how do you do that? And I'm like, man, get a separate credit card and use that to put in for all these tags. And then, don't let them beat you up on that, you know, interest rate. You know what I mean? You know, when that money comes back in, don't spend it, pay that stupid credit card off. But that way you can, you can put in for tags that, you know, you might not be able to do otherwise. That's actually, that's one of the things I always tell people is I'm like, listen, find like a 0% interest rate, like a low, super low interest rate credit card. Doesn't have to have that high of a limit. 
But when you're putting in for your tags for the year, put it all on that. And it's also nice because it makes it easier to track how much you're spending. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you want to put in for everything and everything in the and the kitchen sink in New Mexico. Awesome. You put in for all that stuff and then it just goes right back on the credit card. And, you know, it's usually the turnaround time is quick enough to where you're barely you're barely paying any interest on it. If anything, you got it. Um, that, that's, that's some of the games we play and, and even putting in for tags. You know, I've had guys like, man, it's so hard to draw the tags. I'm like, man, you got to you got to play that game. I mean, like even Rocky Mountain Goat, you know, tag here in Colorado. I, I saw that the odds are actually better of drawing a rifle tag than it was drawing an archery tag. So there were bow hunters all put in for the archery tags. I'm like, man, I'm going to put in, there's a little better odds for this rifle tag. And then I'm going to go with my bow. So that's exactly what I did. I drew a rifle tag and took my recurve out and shot one during a rifle, you know, rifle goat tag. So you can, <laughs> a lot of states, some states allow that, some states don't, but you know, it's, it's always worth playing the game and, and looking at the odds. And there's so many companies now that, you know, will research that for you. You know, there's a lot of people that, you know, that have that information, you know, available to you. So you're talking a lot about the mental challenge of doing that super slam. And if I was to put in a guess, I would, I would probably say that the toughest would have had to have been sheep as far as with a recurve, especially am I, am I far off? You're hundred percent right. That's exactly what people have before. They know they're all challenging. You know, I've had people say, well, they're all super challenging. Um, but you know, in some of the hard hunted areas that I, that I hunted, uh, the sheep in getting within range, you know, especially the traditional bow of those sheep uh, was a heck of a challenge. And, and that's what I loved about it, though. I, you know, I tend to don't get me wrong. You mentioned that, you know, that 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 hunt in the you know comfortable chair and having your coffee. I love those, too. I mean, it's great. To have <laughs> but but if I was to pick my favorites, I would say it's the ones where, you know, I lose 10 or 15 pounds. I'm exhausted. You know, I've been sleeping in a tent for 12, 14 days. Um, you know, those are the ones when I'm just pushed to the max, you know, the, I, I don't know why I like the punishment of that. I wish I would have gotten into golf sometimes, <laughs> but you know, I love those ones where it's like, man, that's those, those are the ones I feel like I really push myself and I, and I got it done. And and so those are the, those are some of my favorite, but yes, the, the sheep by far were, were some of the toughest and the ones that can eat you, you know, I've had some crazy experiences with animals charging and, you know, somewhere I was puckered up or, you know, because of plane crashes or boats flipping almost died multiple times, just stupid stuff, you know, just, you know, I've had some pretty crazy experiences over the years. I think, you know, there's definitely something special about hunting something that's just as likely to hunt you back. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and that's a whole nother element to it. <laughs> especially, especially when you have to get close enough to it to get it with a, with a recurve bow. Yeah. <laughs> it's I'm doing, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not, I always told myself I'd do it with a bow first, but I've got a buddy coming out uh, this spring and we're going to be chasing black bear um, nice. uh, here in Montana. And I'm excited. It's his first hunt. And, he is, he is prepared for the type two fun. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've explained to him, but you know, it's, there's just something that I think, you know, that captures the imagination about hunting predators, especially the, the bigger predators that, uh, you know, yep. you may end up getting charged. You may end up having one sneaking up on you. Um, I always, I always tell people, I'm like, yeah, if you've ever been in the woods, you've probably had a mountain lion staring at you. Likely it is. <laughs> if you spent any, any given, any decent amount of time in the woods, then you just would never in a million years know it. No, but, they're amazing. 
No, there's there's definitely something special about predator hunting. I'm excited to get out this spring. Um, I'm determined if it if it ends up if I end up losing losing money because I have to take time off, I'm still gonna do it anyway because uh, I I did not get out much this last season. So. Yeah, you can't take the money with you, right? Might as well have some experiences. Exactly. The only reason I'm making the money anyway is to go hunting. So if I'm not hunting, what's the what's the point of making it? Yes, sir. So, you know, if you were approached by someone, you know, maybe they overheard you talking about hunting or whatever it happens to be. And they're like, you know what? I've always always thought this was really it was like really interesting. I've always wanted to go hunting for the first time. But, you know it's the bar is set way too high. Like there's too much to learn, too much gear to buy. It's just, I don't know. It's intimidating. I don't know if I can do it. What words of wisdom or inspiration would you give that person? Well, I I try and take people like that a lot. Um, You know, that's how I've gotten some of my buddies, you know, into it, especially when I was younger and and still try and take people. But, you know, I would say, you know, go to a local gun shop or an archery shop or, you know, make some friends. Most hunters, outdoorsmen in general, fishermen, hikers, they, they love to share what they love to do. So odds are you can go in there and go, man, I'd really love to go hunting, but I don't really know where to go. And most people will help you out. Um, you know, call a game warden. Uh, most of the game wardens I've had experiences with have been really good guys. Most of them are into it because they're outdoorsmen or outdoors women. And they can give you some advice like, hey, this area is pretty good. Or it seems like a lot of people shoot deer in this area. Um, but, but to get started, the best place, just like if I was going to go skateboarding, man, I, you know, I would go to a skateboard shop, you know, and go, <laughs> Hey guys, don't, what do I need to do here? Let me give me some instruction. So having worked at an archery pro shop, um, you know, I, I'd say go in, you know, go to a bass pro shop or Cabela's store, or go into a, a, you know, a mom and pop archery shop or gun store. Most people are really willing to help you out. And if they're not go to another store, you'll find somebody that that's going to be real amenable to, to giving you some tips. Um, you know, don't buy a ton of equipment yet, you know, or start out with something inexpensive. You can get, you know, a gun and a scope for very little money. You can get a, you know, a used bow and some arrows, you know, for very little money and, and go out and, and try it out. Just dip your toe in the water, but preferably go with somebody that knows what they're doing. And you don't have to start huge. Go out squirrel hunting with somebody that likes to squirrel hunt. Let them teach you how to skin a squirrel and show you how good fried squirrel can be or rabbit hunting. You know, don't, don't grandiose it because if you don't know what you're doing, you know, getting an elk on the ground or even a deer on the ground and not knowing how to gut it can be pretty intimidating, (laughs) but go with somebody and start small. So I usually tell guys, get out there, start small, um, dip your toe in the water first before you, you know, jump in. Like, you know, a fisherman's not going to go after a marlin for their first fish. Normally they're going to go catch a brim or, you know, catch a catfish. And and I, I kind of equate that to hunting, start out, start out small, check it out, dip your toe in the water. Odds are you'll go, wow, this is amazing. I love watching the sun come up and listen to the woods come alive around me. And if I get something and I'm learning how to cook it myself and skin it myself, then you'll probably be helplessly addicted. And then if you want to upgrade that bow or that rifle or that shotgun or whatever it is, you can. But, uh, you know, I tell guys, you know, don't have that first experience by yourself, you know, hook up with somebody and, and have them take you out. Fantastic. Well, so if folks wanted to follow along with the adventures, also, if uh, if they wanted to find full draw outfitters, um, where where are they looking? 
So I've got a YouTube channel. Um, I also have a fan page, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We do all that good stuff. Um, so they can check that out. I also have a TV show on the sportsman's channel. Um, it's called everything Eichler. And a lot of it's about the lifestyle, you know, uh, then full draw outfitters. They could go and check out that website. We take about, um, gosh, quite a few people hunting every year for whitetail, mule deer, elk, bear, antelope, mountain lion, turkey, a little bit of everything. So, um, they can find, find me on all those normal, normal avenues. Well, I'll definitely make sure to link to all of that on the show notes page, the wildinitiative.com. Fred, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and hop on with me. Sam, thanks so much, man. I, I appreciate it. And uh, good luck on your property. I'm excited for you on that. And good luck bear hunting with your buddy. I hope you guys have a blast and, and uh, I hope you get lucky and get a bear as well. Awesome. Thank you. All right, y'all, that'll do it for this episode of The Wild Initiative. Make sure to check out the show notes page at thewildinitiative.com. Get links to everything we talked about in today's episode. Big thank you to Fred for taking the time out of his day to uh, join me on the podcast and share some of his knowledge, some of those stories. Make sure to give him a follow if you're looking to hunt in Southern Colorado. Check out Full Draw Outfitters. That'll do it for this week. Looking forward to next time. But until then, I hope this episode inspired you to get involved, get outdoors and plan your initiative for the wild. Thank you for listening to the wild initiative. Please take a moment to leave a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher and head on over to the to get show notes. Check out the blog, gear discounts, other podcasts from the wild initiative family and more. I always tell people if any stories come up, it doesn't matter what rabbit hole we get down. All right. Well, I won't go into my OnlyFans page. Then. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. But since you said weird places, I just had oh. to go there. So.